0: This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers' assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love Nate Yarnell and hate night road games against group of five schools, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is September 21st and... Squid, pick a number. Seven. Dylan, pick a number. Eight. Adam taking six. Shit. What was it? It was five.
1: So you have to defend the Nate Yarnell. Okay, okay, okay. yeah. yeah.
0: Forward. All right. I think Pat Narduzzi and Frank Signetti need to ride the eight north. Nate Yarnell the rest of the season, the sheriff, 75% completion rate. We weren't seeing that in any of the other games. It's it's time for the coaches to be men and name the sheriff, Nate, the sheriff Yarnell starting quarterback going forward. And enough of this razzle dazzle, get the man in there and, and let him cook.
2: Are we seeing the second coming of Stetson Bennett?
1: You've got a great future on ESPN first day. That's a very Skip Bayless esque
0: taking a side and sticking to it So, Hey, someone had to do it. Literally someone had to do it. We, we just drew straws for it basically. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's your hot take to start off the show. Uh, obviously the fact that we are starting off this way, um, even if facetiously is a great indication of, The way Nate Yarnell carried himself in his first football game in three years. Uh, The Pitt Panthers beat Western Michigan 34 to 13 after a slow start in Kalamazoo on Saturday night Mm -hmm. uh, behind the red shirt freshman who was forced into action despite being the fourth quarterback on the roster just a week ago. I feel pretty good about it, obviously good enough to declare him the future of pit football starting now. How are you guys feeling about the game on Saturday? I was really impressed. I thought Nate Yarnell came in and did exactly
1: what they asked him to do. Standard game manager game from him. And I loved Frank Signetti's game plan. I think there's some people who probably weren't too happy with only having 13 points at halftime. But at the end of the day, they... Had a game plan. They stuck to it. Didn't ask Nate Yarnell to do too much, and he didn't do too much. He just did exactly what was asked of him, and he's the ACC Rookie of the Week.
2: Yeah, I was at the game, made the journey at the Kalamazoo. Quick five-hour out, five-hour back trip the next morning. Uh, I'll tell you what. Starting off, we were feeling pretty good because the game plan was working enough. Uh, The mood kind of shifted a little bit whenever we missed that field goal and didn't get any points before the end of the half. Everyone was like, this is way too conservative. You have to throw the ball a little bit more than what we're doing, even though he hasn't played a game in three years. Uh, But in the second half, that quickly shifted. I think the defense was a big part of that. They were so good that they let Signetti stick to his game plan of just pounding the rock until you wore them down. And uh, yeah, Yarnell actually did make some nice throws. There were very few moments where you're like, oh, yeah, you can tell this guy hasn't played in a long time
0: the The final result has sort of made me forget. I think just how frustrated I was through the first two hours of the game. It was thirteen to six at halftime, and it's not even like we were running well on them. We were just playing out of our minds on defense. Uh, Eric Hallett two picks, uh, Marquise Williams a uh, pick six, and um, I think that Western Michigan ended up with something like. Fifty yards on twenty-four carries, so they weren't going anywhere. But it also felt a little bit like we weren't either. And I, I think um, credit to Frank Signetti, who I wanted to strangle like a little bit for a while,
2: um but it, like Novocaine, give it time always works. The big scare we had this discussion in a section at halftime was our defense is playing phenomenal. We gave them three points off of that muff punt, but we were up a touchdown and. We were just like, look, they're going to get a big play. They'll get a touchdown. If they tie this up, things could get scary because can we throw the ball if we need to? That was the conversation that we were having. Uh, thankfully, we stayed ahead enough to where we didn't have to throw the ball all that often. Mm-hmm. But the second half, I think it played out exactly as Signetti and Narduzzi planned. They ran it. They were creative enough to where they could sneak in some uh, creative play action passes. And... uh it just worked perfectly. I love what Narduzzi's
1: sentiment was in the press conference after the game. When he talked about not wanting to play Slovis in this game, it kind of felt like he did a little bit of the Mike Tomlin. If, if we don't experience adversity, I'll create it. And not that Pitt hasn't already faced a good amount of adversity through these first two games of the season. But the fact that Narduzzi said, look, we are the defending ACC champions. We're a reigning power five champion. If we can't go up into Mac country and beat a team with whoever we play a quarterback, then we really don't deserve. We don't, we're not that good. So I liked the message he sent with whoever we put in there, we're going to go up. We're going to push them around and we're going to win the game. How, however we need to win the game. So I, I really respect that. I, would not be saying this if Pitt would have lost that game. I'd be calling for Narduzzi's head. But the fact that they went up there and did it, I, I really respect how they handled it.
0: Yeah, we'd be we'd be breaking a seat check back out of the attic if if that were the case. For sure.
2: But real quick, before we get too far into the game, can we talk about how crazy it was and not knowing who the quarterback was going to be until like the game started? Uh, we got to the stadium and we saw Slovis warming up. And we're like, oh, okay, if he's warming up, he has his helmet on, he's probably going to play, right? And then we see some rumors that it's gonna be Arnell, but we're like, Slovis is right there. He's going out for the coin toss with the captains, and, and even then before Yarnell that, out.
0: yeah, if, even before that, we were hearing, yeah, Slovis got left in Pittsburgh,
2: so nobody knew. It was kind of impressive how under wraps this was, but that was pretty wild.
0: Very, very wild indeed. Um, Narduzzi, if there's one thing in the world he loves, it's hiding injury rumors and. Obfuscating, you know, who's going to start muddying the waters on who's available. Um, and and maybe it worked out. Maybe it didn't. I mean, I guess it technically worked out by virtue of us winning. I don't know how much tape Western Michigan was able to watch on Nate Yarnell, even if they had a pretty good hunch since Monday that he was starting. Um, but, the desired result was achieved. We won the game without Keen Slovis and he was given an additional week to uh, let that brain swelling die down a little bit or however concussions work. I'm not a doctor.
1: I think the most impressive part of all of this is the fact that, and it's been said over and over, but Nate Arnell has played six games prior to this one above JV football. And he came in and looked calm, cool and collected once again, I'm going to praise the game plan for Signetti, not asking him to do too much, but he made some really nice throws in he his did. first game action. Both the passes down the sideline to Jared Wayne, both of those passes were dimes, and the the touchdown pass to Kanade Mumpfield was not an easy play to make. He had to put no. it in a certain spot, and Mumpfield made a play on it, but for him to come in there and play like that, you just have to be a gamer, and it can't be stressed enough how, how important that was. Even, even if he wasn't throwing the ball 30 times, making three, three reads on every play, he came in and did exactly what you want a guy to do in his first ever college game.
0: Yeah. I, I will say though, um, even though I just uh, crowned him the, the starter for week four and every week after it. And even though I give him all the credit in the world for just the, the guts that took Still, like, still feel like I don't know what we have with him because he made some really good throws, didn't have to make a ton of reads, and a lot of the positives that he showed were a byproduct of being put in the best possible situation. He was never asked to make a play that I think the coaches felt was beyond his capabilities. Uh, He was able to lean on a rushing attack that we'll get to in a minute, but eventually really got rolling and it, it allowed the game to open up for him. He was, you know, never put in a super nervy situation uh, and he made some great throws, but I will be very fascinated now because he wasn't super on my radar going forward, you know, in the post Slovis and Patty years or, you know, the, the pre Kenny Minchie years, but I'm, I am now very fascinated to see what the full spectrum of his capabilities is.
2: Well, That's the one thing that was probably the most annoying about the game. There's people after the game saying that was so dumb, that wouldn't work against any ACC team. Well, we weren't playing an ACC team. Yeah, If we were playing an (laughs) ACC team, we would have passed the ball more than a dozen times, I would presume. Uh, Unless our offensive line and running backs are that good and that'll continue, wouldn't bet on it, but there's no way the game plan is to throw the ball 12 times in any game other than Western Michigan with a fourth string quarterback and maybe Rhode Island just because that's how banged up we are.
0: If we played an ACC team, we simply would have started Keaton Slovis.
2: Yeah, but that's the thing. Everyone's ripping your yeah. netty, even though it did work. I'm like, What do you expect? It's a Western Michigan team that is definitely not as good as they were last year. Pitt played better, but that team is definitely worse than last year. Uh, and they just manhandled them. In all phases.
0: Yeah, Salopec was uh, not exactly impressive, where I felt like Caleb Ellaby was. Caleb Elby was good enough last year that he was able to trick himself into thinking he was going to get drafted into the NFL.
1: Which he did not.
0: Did not. But I, I agree with you,
1: Hadid. I'm very inter- this, interested to see where Yarnell goes from here. There's a lot of people already anointing him. Like, well, we're set for the future. Once Slovis is gone, once Patty's gone, we'll be good. We have our QB in waiting. I'm not ready to crown him that yet. I'm very intrigued by what I saw. And I know the pit coaches were pretty high on him his first year before, before the foot injury kind of sidelined him for a while, probably longer than you would have hoped. But I'm intrigued. He's six six. Seems that have a nice touch on the ball but I'm gonna have to see a little more before I anoint him the next Kenny Pickett so but nonetheless impressive game and definitely makes things interesting for next year if if Slovis is gone but
0: I, I really don't want to get ahead of ourselves there no next year is a uh, big old question mark in a lot of places and I don't want to have to talk about it until we have to, because this year is currently happening. And I think that we it have is, the tools. Yes. We we have the tools to uh, do something special. But uh, let, let's talk about some other aspects of the game. Izzy Banikanda, the overhit on rushing attempts. Easiest money I've ever made. Thank you, you morons, uh, for the free point. But um, it kind of took him a while to get going. It took the whole rushing attack a little while to get going.
1: It did seem like early on, there were a few plays, first drive, Izzy was running really hard, and when he got a hole, he got downhill and took a couple defenders with him. But Western Michigan seemed to figure out pretty quickly what Pitt's game plan was, and they were just absolutely loading the box. Mm. And Arduzzi said today, they were putting nine in the box at times. So on one hand, I, I saw Izzy, I think it was at some point in the fourth quarter, he had 28 carries for 96 yards, and I'm like, that's probably not as good as you would like against the Mac team. But at the end of the day, he did get going. It was promising to see that the run game looked to get stronger as the game wore on, which is what mm-hmm. you would hope overpowering a Mac team would do. But yeah, it was, it was a little like, oh, we're winning the game, but we're averaging less than four yards a carry. Not not what we wanted to see at that point.
2: You know who didn't average four yards a carry? I'll be the guy this week to uh, jump on the bandwagon. Vincent Davis. That was yeah. the thunder and lightning that uh, we were hoping for, probably from Rodney Hammond and Izzy. But uh, it was a really well orchestrated run game. Izzy was like the battering ram. He would just run and fall forward for like three and a half yards every play. And then once he would get tired after maybe two or three first downs worth of carries, they put in Vincent Davis and the tired defense couldn't wrap him up, and he was shifty enough to pick up like eight or nine. So...
0: 11 for 83 on the ground for Vincent Davis. Yeah, and that was that was mostly in the second half. And also on his last nine carries, Izzy had sixty-one yards. So they they very clearly got it rolling towards the end. You could see the offensive line getting a push. Uh John, I agree with you. I had in my notes credit to Vinny Davis, uh, because you know that is that is our new position on on the manor, is, is is that he is talented when used. Correctly, and I think used to break the game open uh, after you've already run a larger back head first into the defense enough times that
2: they're worn out is exactly how we want him to be used. Yeah, it's something that Mark Whipple would never do, just run the ball enough to uh, wear down a defense. And uh, the plan worked. I think even in the first half when we were running the ball against those loaded boxes, people were probably saying like, Throw some screen passes, loosen them up. Try this, try that. Uh, I think Signetti was probably like, "Look, it might not be the prettiest thing right now, but they're gonna get tired. They don't have the depth on the front seven like we do. They can't mm-hmm. sub in all these guys. Uh, and by the fourth quarter, they were probably disinterested in tackling Izzy or even Vincent Davis. At that point, it was probably just they're tired of getting mauled." <laughs> As so, I I know I opened up the show.
0: Being assigned the hot take of ride N- Nate Yarnell into the sunset. Nate Yarnell's name is kicking your ass today. Oh my god, I'm getting worked. You better get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I I know I was kind of prescribed that take of ride him into the sunset, uh, ride him to the promised land. But I might have like an actual hot take a little bit, and this is gonna sound absurd after a game in which he had 130 yards after a game in which he had 150 yards. But sometimes I feel like Izzy can leave a little bit to be desired when it comes to being a natural running back. He is a freak athlete, and you simply have to give him the ball. And he has done so much for this offense in the two years where he has been appropriately featured. But I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, but sometimes it it feels like his vision and, and his kind of level of shiftiness uh, is lacking. Whereas a guy like Rodney Hammond, who I, I don't think has the size or athleticism of Izzy kind of just has these running back intangibles that you almost have to be born
2: with. I've seen some people say that I can see it, but it's an emerging take in the pit sphere. Yeah. And I love Rodney Hammond as the next guy as much as the next guy, but I think that's a bit of a overreaction to a small sample size. I think what is he is one of the top all-purpose yards per game. He has the most players. rushing.
0: He leads the ACC in rushing yards.
2: Yeah. And isn't he sixth in all-purpose yards too? It's ridiculous.
0: Well, I mean, the all-purpose yards, I think kind of proves my point that he is an athlete. And if you if you get him in space, he will do incredible things. But he, he is only averaging around four yards a carry. And and sometimes it, it feels like he is either you, you tell him what hole to run into and he is running full speed head down into it, whether it's into a, a blocker's back or in a waiting linebacker, or he can bounce it to the outside, whereas Rodney Hammond can go, oh, the the four hole is a little bit blocked up. I'm going to go to the six hole and, and you know, he can, he can kind of fall forward a little bit easier. Um, and it kind of makes me think that whenever we get Rodney Hammond back, it allows us to be in a position where we can start with a heavy dose of Rodney Hammond. Cause he does fall forward a little bit more. He can make a little bit more happen with, uh, worse offensive line play uh and then you know you mix in izzy and allow him to hit the home runs like we know he can if
1: you look at izzy and you look at the big play against tennessee you take away that 76 yard run he's averaging 3.6 yards per carry on all the runs so i don't want to say because if you take away every player's best plays then Obviously, they aren't as good, and that is part of the benefit. <laughs> Obviously, that's part of the benefit of having Izzy is he can break those type of home run plays. But I do agree with you, David, in that having both of those backs, I think, will really open things up, mm-hmm. especially for Izzy. I think Rodney's going to do what Rodney does. He's probably not going to break any eighty yard touchdowns, but after he gets ten to fifteen carries, and then you bring in a fresh Izzy canda against a tired out defense. I think that's really going to open some things for Izzy uh,
2: for some more home run balls. Just yeah, and also use him in the pass game more. Yeah, just to clarify, he's 12th nationally in all-purpose yards, first in the ACC. Yeah, he's damn good.
1: I, he's I don't he's a great here. athlete, yeah. And also all-purpose yards, kick return kick yards, calls. Yeah. like, ah, let's relax. But he's still leading the ACC in rushing. Izzy is a good-ass running back. I just do agree with David in that a lot of it has been hit or miss. And there are a mm-hmm. lot of possessions that start out second and nine second and eight, because if the O line doesn't really create that hole for him to put on the jets and get through, uh, we do seem to get caught behind the six where that, that w- doesn't seem to be the case from Rodney Hammond's in the game, but he's not playing right now. So I do think Izzy's our best option. I uh, just want to yeah. see a little, a little more consistent see, but I, I do feel like even though it was against the Mac opponent, I feel like the running game needed that they needed a game Mm -hmm. where they had to count on the O-line. They had to count on the running backs to just go get the job done. I think we needed one of those and it's going to benefit us long-term.
0: Yeah. And they have the opportunity uh, for another one of those coming up this week. Um, Before we get to Rhode Island, uh, we haven't said a word about the defense yet and they were just absolutely lights out. So do we have like five minutes to Pat them on
2: the back. I think we should start with a uh, guest of the show, friend of the show, Eric Hallett. Another big game this year. He mm-hmm. has been pretty much lights out. The interception, the first interception he had, is a type of interception that you don't see from pit defensive backs. Sees the ball thrown over his head, locates it, gets under it, turns his head around, and makes a play.
1: Struggled it a little bit as well. I think Hallett, I mean, what does he have four takeaways through. Or- three games at this point. The Pitt defense as a whole has four touchdowns in their last five games, I believe. So they've got ball Hawks be, on the defense. They've would got be
0: five if uh, Williams didn't get taken down at like the Woods. one against Wake Forest. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Woods. My bad. You know, let ran to the referee. Either way, defense has been
1: making those splash plays. Going to need to continue to make those plays. Uh, also, shout out to... All of the defensive ends, more so because we're going to need them because about three-quarters of them are hurt. Bam Brema came in, gave some good snaps. Uh, Nate Temple ended up in a sling but was giving some good snaps, but that's something to keep an eye on for the group that was probably the deepest coming into the season. Now all of a sudden there are like three of them that are healthy.
2: Yeah, I was excited to see Nakai Johnson on the field. But you think a step back, you don't love the circumstances which led to that happening. Yeah, but we're focusing on the positive right
0: now. Um, oh, although
2: sorry. <laughs> yeah, although still I, good things.
0: Yeah, yeah, still good things. The linebackers played a great game, I will say. Um, the defensive line is getting home a little bit less than I expected this year. Um, most of our sacks are from linebacker blitzes, uh, but you know how much of that is because of injury. How much of that is because teams are very clearly. Uh, running, hike, step, step, get the ball out of your hand. So that that is not something I'm willing to sweat over yet, but something I am monitoring.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing there, we don't have the glamorous stat lines from some of the DNs ends that we thought we might see already, but whenever they get those third downs, those critical third downs, they are getting home with the linebackers most of the time. But not really concerned. Love to see more, but the fact that they are getting those clutched, a uh, third down sacks is a, a really good sign. Okay, now can we stop pretending like they aren't all hurt?
1: Yeah, yeah, let her rip. Okay, every player on this team is getting hurt, and every player is a bit of a hyperbole, but the injury bug has bit Pitt, and it's getting to concerning levels of bad. oh, Oh, it's, it's bitten Pitt's head off. So last year, Pitt pretty much avoided injuries almost to an unprecedented level. And it almost feels like we're getting things are moving back toward the mean. And now we're paying retribution for that. So where do we want to start? Well, I mean, we could start with the quarterbacks. Top two quarterbacks throughout out. Top running back from the West Virginia game, whether Hammond or Izzy is number one. I think Narduzzi will probably put an or next to them once Rodney's back. Jared Wayne knocked out of the game with what looked to be a concussion. Owen Drexel, starting center. Gabe Hoy hasn't played. Hobble went out. Dayon didn't travel. I'm just going to run through the whole list here. Devin Danielson went down against Tennessee. Deslin Alexander hasn't played. And Nate Temple was in a sling. Also, Marquez Williams came out in street clothes at halftime. So that is, I believe, an extensive list. Did I miss anyone? Is that it? It sure feels like more than that, but I don't think I missed anyone. So, but yeah, let's go from there. I mean, do we want to look at where Where do we think we're hurting more, offense or defense?
0: Both. <laughs> but I mean, it's just so much hurt. I mean, let's, let's start with the war dead from this week, which is becoming a recurring segment. Last week we said we did not want this to become a recurring segment, but here we are. Um, Jared Wayne, it looked like he came out with the concussion. Williams, street clothes. Habba went down, and it looked bad at first.
1: I am hoping Habba's okay. He stayed on the sideline, seemed to be in pretty good spirits, held the sign to the Western Michigan fans at the end of the game, go home, beat the traffic. So he was joking around, looked like he was coaching the guys up a little bit. I'm hoping mm. that, that was that's just a tweak. We won't know till Saturday. We know that. Pat Narduzzi won't let lead on
0: to that, but it seems not like in, he should be okay. Not in all cases. I believe uh, Marquez Williams tweeted, see you Saturday. So that he deleted w- it though. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Coach Dues was like, what's this tweet about? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Coach. Are you know. commenting on an injury <laughs> report? <laughs> Let's hope it, it's that.
1: That's what I'm thinking. But Jared Wayne, like we said, seemed to be a head injury. It Head injury, history, Keaton Slovis didn't go this week, wasn't 100%. But would he have played in a
0: game that had a little more stakes? I don't know. I don't know. I actually wouldn't mind if Jared Wayne took a week, one, to make sure everything's good. He's too important to lose long term. But two, I want to know who the next set of guys in that receiving room is. And if we can get Barden and Bradley some opportunity to get something going, uh, you know, show their worth or Bub Means and Mumfield a chance to get the ball rolling against an overmatched opponent, I think that would be huge.
2: I would agree, but I have a very good feeling that Nate Yarnell will start again and we might throw the ball like 16 times this week. So, will we get the chance to see that happen? Maybe not. Uh, I think we do the same thing as we did last week. If there's even a queue next to your name for questionable, you're out. And if you are playing, you're playing one half. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we have to do. We have a blessing that we're playing Rhode Island this week, a little buffer between ACC play, because if we were facing any ACC opponent, no matter how, terrible some of them are it'd be sketchy just based off of what we're rolling in with (laughs) i mean i i understand the desire
0: to be cautious in a game that we are almost certain to win and i although i don't want to look past rhode island because we can talk about this a little bit more in the preview and predictions but they are a top 15 fcs school they aren't you know the biggest pushover we could ever schedule but this is our opportunity to to, you know, get a little bit of momentum, you know, work on a couple things. Gel. We started off with West Virginia and then Tennessee and then a night road game against a team that beat us last year. This is like our r- one real chance before or it is our one and only chance before ACC play to just kick the shit out of somebody and feel good about it and see, you know, experiment a little bit things that we couldn't try to pull against other opponents. So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, throw, throw the dead bodies on the field and, and, you know, make them do stuff. But I don't know if I'm loving the sit everybody narrative that I'm hearing because Pitt has done that before and almost lost. We can argue about this when we preview the game. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so Dylan, you asked where we're hurting the most, and I said both, but I would actually go and say, I think defensively, just because the strength of this team is the defensive line, and we talked all offseason about how lucky we are to be so deep at defensive end, and oh my God, we've almost hit the bottom of the depth chart.
1: I think there is – yeah, that's definitely concerning. At the same time, I do feel like if we were playing Georgia Tech next week or Virginia Tech, an ACC game, I feel like Deslin Alexander might just go. I feel like this might have been another precaution week. Like, he's been dressed the past two weeks. He hasn't played. Maybe that's Narduzzi mind games, but he is dressing. Like we said, Haba hung out seems like – if it was a bigger high stakes game, maybe he would have just shot up some cortisone and went back out there. So I'm not pressing the red alert button there yet. I am intrigued to see if any of these guys lower on the depth chart, some of these guys who've been buried and like in the Kai Johnson, he's buried behind fourth, fifth year guys who are absolute studs. Is, is there a guy like that? Who's going to emerge? And all of a sudden, he's going to break that top four defensive end rotation and and be an impact player for us this year. Yeah. But I I agree with you. It's You don't like to see your sixth, seventh defensive ends getting reps and meaningful reps in in a close game. But I do think I'm not ready to say, oh, no, we're screwed just yet. But uh, if, if some of these injuries turn out to be longer term things more than. One week against Rhode Island, then uh, I'm I'm going to be a little nervous.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could very likely be getting Deslin back at any point. He was dressed and looked ready to go. Uh, Deslin Alexander against Western Michigan, he was a no play. Uh, Dayon Dayon Hayes. Uh, is a little bit muddier waters. Um, Pittsburgh sports now reports that he is done for the season. Uh, Pat Narduzzi denied such a fact. Uh, either way, it sounds like there is a, a level of injury there and he might miss uh, a little bit of time, but either way, you know, we're good. God, I I don't know what we, uh what we did to um, draw the ire of, the karmic forces of the universe, but it's been some tough squash for us.
1: We're pit. We were due for some, for some shitty luck. So fingers crossed that we break this. We, we heal up from this injury bug, get through Rhode Island and ACC play, but um, hasn't been the cleanest starts of the year, but next week, baby, just
2: get the next week. One by 70.
0: Now is time to debut our brand new segment, Trap Walking with the Trap Walker himself. John, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
3: Doing good, man. Fresh off a big one. So I'm happy to uh, talk about this track that we just walked through. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. So the idea here is... um, you're going to help us understand a little bit of what it is like to go on the road as a college football player into a hostile environment, board your bus or your plane, get there, get the job done, get home and everything in between. Uh, so the the important first question uh, for this trap walking segment is, was uh, the trap successfully taken over?
3: Uh, the trap was successfully taken over. I think we came in there, handled business. We definitely walked through it. So I can I can definitely say that one thousand percent it wasn't no doubt in my mind we weren't gonna walk through it so that box is checked for sure.
0: Absolutely, loved to hear it, loved to see it. Uh, So obviously that rating is pass fail. Um, However, we have a couple that we'd uh, a couple you know aspects of your trip that we would like you to grade on a. A to F scale. You can throw in the pluses and minuses if you'd like. Um, but, you know, that's we'll, we'll, we'll keep it, you know, schoolyard a little bit. Um, but first, could you tell us a little bit, uh, for those of us who don't know, I think a lot of us were surprised by what they entail. But what does a uh, a road trip kind of look like for you guys?
3: Um. So most of the time going to away game, the, the road trip schedule kind of de- defers based on like what time the game is. So since our game was like a 7.30 Eastern kickoff time, so we'll we'll come into the facility on a Friday, watch film and all that stuff, go over our play and stuff from the practice before on Thursday in the morning. They will fly out out of, the, out of the Pittsburgh National Airport, get to wherever our destination is from there. We'll check into the hotel, eat dinner, and just like I said, based on the game time, so like Friday night, we'll, we'll watch a movie as a team. We'll go to the movie theater, whatever movies. I think this weekend we saw a bullet train, which is if anybody's – Looking for a good movie to see that's into like action and stuff like that. That movie was amazing. It was I personally think one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes for me. I give it hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was a great movie. We'll watch a movie Friday night, have a team meeting, go over the gameplay one more time, and Saturday morning is game time. We'll do all our pregame rituals, pregame meals and stuff like that, and then we'll board the bus and get ready to go into our, wherever our, our, our stadium is, wherever the trap we're going to walk to. That's that's the next step after that.
2: Well, it sounds like the trap got interesting before he even got there. uh, Coach Narduzzi said there was some uh, shenanigans going on during the police escort in the stadium. Can you talk us through what happened there?
3: Uh, I mean, yeah. From from what I heard, like, I guess they took us, like, a whole different route or something like that. Like, from from what I was told, like, from our – so we stayed in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And from from our hotel, it was – I think I was supposed to be around, like, maybe 30 minutes from – Grand Grand Rapids to Kalamazoo, but it ended up being like forty-five to an hour. So we went through like a whole debacle on how to get there and stuff like that. And it took us way longer. So like when we got to the stadium, we had to like kind of like hurry up, rush through all our like pregame because we were kind of running behind. So like he was he was hot about that because I mean you always think you want to give your players the most time to prepare for the pregame and stuff like that. So it was wild. I mean he didn't we didn't we didn't really find about it about till after the game, but they say he was hot before the game. So I mean hey.
0: Do we do we think this was some kind of psychological warfare that they got the police in on it, maybe?
3: Hey, I, hey you never know. I mean, it's Kalamazoo, you can't put anything past them. I mean, with a name like that, you don't know what could happen. So I can't really speak on that type of stuff.
2: So what was your initial thoughts of the stadium? It was your first row game of the year, uh, max school at night. Uh, definitely a lot different than Akrashur, or the A. C. as we call it now. Looked like a mediocre Texas high school stadium to me. Uh, what do you I'm think?
3: In- uh, it was it was definitely a surprise. You know, it's crazy you said that. I, uh, I was sitting next to my roommate, Eric Holland, that's the first thing he said we pulled it. He said, man, this kind of looked like something I played in high school. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, kinda, that, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I mean, it, honestly, it felt it felt like a high school stadium. I mean, when you walked in, you're walking in, we're walking into the stadium, and like there's a line of fans trying to get to the ticket booth that's right by our entrance. So we're coming in, they're already trash talking. They got a line all the way down the street. So like I mean, like I always tell the guys, like, this game for them, that was their that was their homecoming. That was the biggest game of their season. They had fans. You could when we came on the bus, you can see the fans tailgating almost all the way down the street. So th- that was a big game for them. I mean they I and mean, they showed out. I mean, but at the end of the day, I don't really think their stadium held up to what my expectations was when I when I got off the bus. Yeah,
0: that doesn't uh doesn't really surprise me. Actually, Eric Hallett might have been a little bit modest because he is from Texas. So I imagine uh-huh. he actually played in a more impressive facility than you know a, a group of five. College stadium, but uh, yeah, I don't, think it held up to uh you guys and your advances very well.
3: Without, without a doubt, it was definitely. I was, I was a little upset when I, when I, I got off. The- well, I,
0: th- I think that
1: transitions pretty well. That, that's the first grade we want to give out is. What are you going to rate the stadium, the trap itself?
3: Uh, I mean, my, my parents are teachers, so I, I, I I've been around the greatest skill a lot, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tough. I'm tough, man. I grew up in a teacher's house. so I'm tough. I could, personally, I have to give it a D, honestly, just because I mean, I didn't really feel it didn't fit. Like I felt like, like I said, I felt like I was playing in high school again. Like I really didn't feel the ambiance, like the big, the bright lights. Like I really didn't feel like I was going into somewhere. Like I was like I was going to the arena. Like in most schools, you go to these ACC schools, these power five schools. You come in the stadium, it's a big TV screen. Like you're walking into somewhere that is. Bound for Friday Night Lights, ESPN, this 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 is where it's gonna go down. And I felt like I was getting ready to walk into uh the couple stadium down on the East Car- East Carson <laughs> Streets. I mean I mean we could have we could have played there if that was the case instead of going over to Kalamazoo.
2: Well, I don't know if you could tell down in the field. I know there's a lot of emotions, a lot of chatter from the sidelines, but in yeah. the stands we could tell the speaker system didn't work. Yeah. Only the speakers from the one end zone worked and the rest were all blown out. So uh yeah, that that was, it, was definitely something that you wouldn't expect at a college game.
3: Yeah, that was bad. I think they tried to play um, Sweet Caroline, and we were on the silent talking about they might have to use a new aux cord because, like, the speakers were kind of, like, blown out. So they were trying to sing the song, but they weren't on the same page as the, the speakers. So they got to get that fixed. I mean, that, that's, that, that changes the game right there. I mean, you can't play a, the opposite team's fight song, and then that, that it doesn't work. It kind of doesn't go well. So I don't know.
0: So the, the building itself – the facility, you were not impressed by. Oh, How dude. about the f- fans themselves?
3: Um, Surprise for, for a mediocre stadium, their fans are really into it. I mean, like I said, we came in, their fans were already in line, waiting to get in the game. And, like, our locker room, walking to the field, it kind of had, like, an archway where, like, the fans could, like, reach over and, t- like, you – I mean, personally, if they wanted to, they could have hopped down and hopped right into, like, we were going out – going to the game. And they only had, they had like security and they had security holding a rope for the fans to stay, so they wouldn't be able to reach and touch us. But I mean, if, if I walked out and had my arms spread out, they, they were in arm's reach. And it was a couple of times we would come back and forth. They were heckling us bad, like for, for school. They were they were really into it. And like, it's funny that me and Kalaja walked past, we were walking past together. And they were, they were heckling so bad. We kind of like jumped at them see what they was going to do. And they kind of like went back. And was, I mean, it was it was, I mean, surprisingly for the stadium and just the city involved. I mean, personally, those are probably some of the I'll probably give their fans probably a B or A, probably a B plus, honestly, just to just know how much they were into it. I mean, they were they were they were heckling us bad. They were saying they were saying eat shit pit, which surprised me. I didn't think they even knew about that, but their student section was rolling with that the whole game. So I was surprised. I was
2: in the stadium and uh we were fortunate to have some pretty good seats close to uh the action and we actually pointed out while that Eat shit pit chain was ha- happening. Uh, you kind of egged on the crowd. You're pumping them all up. You want to hear some more? Yeah, I had uh, The next three plays. I don't know if you remember, run for zero, sack, interception. So, yeah. that's one that way to shut them up.
3: You're going to understand. If like, you're going to talk the talk, you got to be the walk, the walk. So, if, you, if you're if making all that noise in the red zone, you better make sure your offense backs it up. And, I mean, I guess they didn't. So, we, we walked out with a red zone interception by e Hallis. So, I mean, that that definitely that definitely quiets the crowd.
0: So did I? Did I see Coach Narduzzi said that? Uh, you guys were getting bottles chucked at you by the fans.
3: Yes, they were. I mean, like I said, that's that's what I'm saying. It surprised me for a school like that to be able to be so into it, like them. So they were throwing bottles, doing it, trying to reach and grab our jerseys. They were they were really for. I mean, it was a whole bunch of students. So and this was their first home game, and it was against a ranked team. So I'm, I'm not surprised they were fully into it I, I wouldn't be surprised they were under the influence it kind of felt like that they were all over the <laughs> place they were leaning over all ty- saying all types of crazy stuff but the lack of the stadium their students made it feel more of like a college atmosphere you know what i'm saying which is good And mm-hmm. I, I know their team on the other side is probably agreeing with that as well i mean that that makes that makes up for a lack of a stadium that their students are so into it throughout the game so
1: I felt like that game kind of felt like their Super Bowl. I know you said it was their homecoming. It was their first home game. But I feel like they kind of had a little bit of swagger to them throughout the week with, you know, last year's game in in the rear view. Uh, We were laughing after the game, your Instagram post. uh, The running back, he he was talking the talk during the week, but I think he finished with, what, 13
3: yards? Yeah, nine carries, 13 yards, man. 1.4 yards a carry, I mean. Hey, my, my, my mom always told me, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna have to if you're gonna talk to talk before the game, you gotta better walk the walk. Like I said, man, he talked about tying up his cleats, but I the he left his shoes untied on Saturday, so I mean, I don't know, if he gotta go to, or talk to the equipment staff and stuff and get him some new cleats or something like that. But hey, man, you can't can't talk can't talk before the game and not not show up.
1: Did the defense see that clip prior to the game, or did someone send you that after?
3: But what happened was it's crazy. Like uh, like I said, we have like our Friday night meetings, and. Course, our dudes actually played it, like we were going over like the the our our game plan, like what our keys to victory was, and like he kind of acted like the the, uh the power went out or whatever with the video, and they pulled it up, and he was like he was like, guess what? Look at this, and he pulled the clip up and he played the clip, and we was like, oh for real, I kind of like it, kind of like put an extra up on like so. Okay, y'all, y'all beat us last year. The head coach talked smack during the meet after the game. Okay, we got a chip on our Twitter. But now y'all want to talk smack before the game also? So, like, that, like, all throughout dinner and snack, that's just, like, we was like, when, it's, when, we, when we get off the bus at the stadium, it's go time. We don't got to say nothing. We're we going to go on the field, put our game face on. And they're going to have to come, say, come see us on our turf. So, we walked out there. We walked in their truck, and that's what it was.
0: So he had he had thirteen yards on nine carries and nobody referenced West Virginia yet, and that's on top of the eat shit pit chant. I I think there must be a correlation.
2: Schools with ah. West in their name aren't having a great year against Pitt.
3: Yeah, who you tell? I just they didn't the, need did It to be East, North, and South. That's it. The whole West just needs to just the, just dismantle right now. I don't know what they got going on, but I guess the West is just bad luck right now.
0: <laughs> Let Let's talk about the uh the accommodations that they made for you guys, um, what was the locker room like?
3: Man, I mean, can I, I can only, it was horrendous, honestly. (laughs) I mean, it was absolutely horrendous. I mean, it was literally the size of Akishore's bathroom by the the Ford truck right behind the big screen. It was literally, I mean, 1980s lock, like lockers. We were all like, I mean, you got to think, you got to spit almost seventy guys in the locker room the size of the bathroom the wall, shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it was it was absolutely terrible. Like, I mean, you it's crazy. Like, it kind of it's honestly shocking because you would think like I would expect that from Penn State or West Virginia or like one of those Virginia Tech, one of those one of those rival schools in ACC. But you, I mean, when I got to like I'm thinking like, all right, you know what right, I'm saying it's, it's a small setting, so we might get a cool locker. But you walk in there, it's literally a closet. So I'm like. We lost last year. Your head coach talked smack. Then you talked smack before the game, and now you got us in a closet before the game. So now, like, we really got to turn up on y'all because, like, yeah, honestly, at this point, it's, it's honestly disrespect. So that, like, that whole pregame, we're just in that. We're in there just, like, like the, the fumes are just rolling, rolling. And you come out of the stadium, and the fans are chirping. So it's like, okay, at this point, now it's on. But, yeah, the locker room was terrible. It was ridiculous. Worst locker room I ever played in my entire life, Easy.
1: So post-game, I, I heard something about the locker room. How about the shower temperature? What was the what was the shower temperature like?
3: I mean, it was ice cold. I mean, we might have hopped in an ice bath. It was, like, I mean, it was pointless. It was ice cold, and then for some reason went from ice cold to scorching hot. So it was, like, whoever was the mechanic before the game definitely did some tweaks in the pipes because they definitely set us up with that one. But, yeah, like, that was – that locker room was horrendous. It was It was terrible.
1: So I feel like they won't be getting a passing grade. Can we get a, uh, we get a letter grade for them?
3: No, nah, they get an F for sure. They might got, they got to go to summer school for that one. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, get an F, 1, they got to go to summer school.
0: Is that is that normal for Division I programs? Or, or do Division One programs just have like a competition to see who can make the away team as uncomfortable as possible?
3: Um, I feel like, I mean, like I said, most schools like try to. But I mean, like I said, it also depends on what their stadium is like. So like. Penn State, I mean, of course, you would think Pitt versus Penn State, they're going to try to put us in an uncomfortable situation, but they have a, a huge stadium, so it's kind of hard to put those players in that predicament. Like, I know, I remember last year, Tennessee Tennessee is known for having a really, like, bare locker room just because it's, like, a, a tradition thing. I think when we went when our locker room, it was just, like, just an open space with, like, wooden lockers. So it was just, like, just wooden shelves. So they were, like, known for that. But in most places, their lock the lockers are, are not not really honestly that bad, but for some reason like that locker was just horrendous. Like it was, I, I felt like it really wasn't in a way locker. My flight like they just put those lockers in there as storage, and then they was like, okay, I'm going there. Like, that's what it felt like to me. I, I mean, I don't know, man.
0: So then wh- let's let's round it up into a final grade. How would you rate the Kalamazoo experience?
3: I mean, just talking about the ride to the stadium the stadium in a whole the fans in the locker room i mean honestly like i said i gave the fans a b plus but it's hard to have one b plus grade and have losing grades that were. so i mean as a whole i'll probably say as a whole i'll probably give it a i i'll probably give it a d as a whole honestly all the way through i mean they have in my opinion have to be better hospitality has to be better i mean you can you can't talk before the game and then have horrible hospitality and expect people to want to actually give a give an honest effort in the game. I mean, you're going to get guys top effort. We're going to go out there, and whoever you play against is going to try to blow you out just because they're upset before the game. So you you're, you have to come with a big game. You're out of fuel to the fire.
2: Sounds like it's a business trip. Literally get in, win the game, get out. Literally. Spend as little time in Kalamazoo, Michigan, as possible. Exactly. That sounds
0: like a, like a pretty good strategy, like even when football isn't involved.
3: Literally, just get in and get out especially a night game at that. I mean, you want to play the game. Like I said, I mean, throughout the game, we're like, all right, let's try to – I'm say around halftime, we're like, okay, we need to go out there. We need to be throwing out, throwing out, throwing out. Offense, run the ball. Let's get this running clock rolling. That's just, I mean, it, it, it kind of worked out like that. I mean, that, that last third quarter drive, I mean, the offense went, what, 75 yards straight outside zone right, outside zone left. And it's like, all right, they're going to throw that white flag eventually. And eventually they did. So we was like, let's pack it up. Everybody get their stuff. Let's get on this bus, get to the ho- uh, to the airport. We're going to get right back to Pittsburgh.
0: Well, we're glad you guys made the trip, took over the trap, and made it home safely. Yeah. John, congratulations on a huge win in some pretty tough circumstances in a fearsome environment, and we're really excited to see what you can do against uh, a lower-level opponent this week in Rhode Island. I almost hesitate to say that because we do not like to jinx on this show, uh, but you know, Given, given the way that the first three games have started, we're excited to see you guys get a game that we paid for.
3: All right, definitely. I mean, I'm excited for this one. This this one's got a little extra extra sauce to it because this is, uh, of course, Narduz's alma mater. So I know he's gonna have a he's gonna have a little fire underneath his seat. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see what his uh Tuesday Tuesday team meeting is gonna be like.
0: Well, we love to hear it. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck this week against Rhode Island. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hello, pet. Before we get to our next segment, we wanted to take a moment to let our faithful listenership know that The Loyal Sun Show is currently in the market for additional sponsors for the 2022 season. If you or someone you know would be interested in having us promote your goods and or services to Panther Nation via this show and our social platforms, please reach out to us at loyalsonsemail at gmail.com. You can also DM us at the Sons on Twitter and Instagram. We are happy to provide data on our listenership, engagement, and impressions upon request. All ad revenue will go toward enhancing the quality of our show, increasing our efforts to promote the pit brand, and probably beer.
1: And now we're going to hop into our fan mailbag, our fan submitted questions that you all were so kind to take time out of your day to send. We're not going to waste too much time here. We're going to hop right into it. Uh, Our first question is from at simple five pod. That's the simple five podcast on Twitter. Thank you for the question. Could Frank Signetti be a one and done OC if the offense continues to struggle running the ball throughout ACC play? I think we have some thoughts on this, but David, I'll let you get started because I, I know you
0: have some thoughts. Uh yeah. Um I guess this doesn't directly answer the question. Uh, but I'm 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 already tired of Pit fans vilifying Frank Signetti. I I'm just not I'm not seeing it. It seems like at every single turn we're we're seeing what a failure of a hire he was, how dumb the play calling is. And I'm not seeing it. He he came into the year with a game plan. He tried it for the first half of West Virginia, this ball control under center thing. And then he saw it wasn't working and completely abandoned it. And the offense has looked good despite, you know, everybody being hurt, everybody alive, being hurt. You like the three of us might be on the injury list by the end of this. We've we we can stop talking about that forever now, but you know, given the circumstances, he's done an admirable job. He had a Nick Patty on a, on a bum leg and a, a four string. But when with Keaton Slovis in running, you know, whatever this offense is, since they abandoned the ball control thing, I think they've looked pretty good. And we also, we aren't just going to throw away an offensive coordinator after one year, Sean Watson got multiple years. I'm I'm done with the bitching. Is is it? And you know, I think I think Signetti will will prove me correct.
2: Yeah, I think the point that I think every pit fan complained of the play calling at some point this year. I mean, we said we wanted to wring Signetti's neck at a point earlier in this podcast episode, but at the end of the day, it worked out, and we understand that it is frustrating at times. But there's been some weird circumstances. We opened the season with a new coordinator, a new coach on a primetime game against a rival, that's not going to be the smoothest opening. You got to expect some speed bumps, uh, figure it out. Tennessee firing all cylinders, not the reiterate everything that David just said, but I'm okay with where we're at. We'll just get healthy and uh, look like we did in the first half of Tennessee. And I'll be very pleased because we'll probably win a lot of games. Yeah. I think the lack of consistency with personnel has really hurt Pitt.
1: The quarterback situation, Rodney Hammond went down. He's kind of had a tough draw to start the season, and by all accounts, I think he's done well. The Some of the play designs for Nate Yarnell to have wide open receivers, uh, especially the one play against Western Michigan, the one catch for Gavin Bartholomew, it was set up to look like a run. Bartholomew runs through the offensive line and a bit of a reverse wheel. I don't know. I don't know the football terminology of what route he ran, but there was no one within 10 yards of Bartholomew, and that's just an easy pass to get your freshman quarterback in his first career start.
0: Wait, I real think, quick. Did did you see how badly he wanted to jump the guy that tackled him?
1: Oh, yeah. It was very clear that that was going through his head, and eventually I, I guess that defensive back watched some film and he just put his shoulder down and blew his head off. But <laughs> I I was hoping for a Bart hurdle, another one, but I, I will get Cignetti, there. I think Signetti's done an admiral job and I actually am excited about having Signetti and how he calls this offense the rest of the year. So, no, I don't think he'll be one and done unless this season goes to absolute shit. And please don't. <laughs> please don't and it won't and I think Signetti will be back next year unless and what's the only way Signetti's gone next year is if he coaches so well this year that the Steelers fire Matt Canada and then just decide to promote within the building again and hire Signetti as the OC. Our next question from Dan G that's at run DMG underscore on Twitter. Great, great handle by the way. And this is, this is a great question. Not overlooking the Rams. No one is Dan, but can we get a power ranking of tailgate drinking games? And as a follow-up question, what's the drink of choice for a noon kickoff? We've been spoiled with afternoon tailgates thus far, So what's the strategy for a morning tailgate?
0: I love this one. Can I answer for all of us? Go. Um, You, you start with uh, an Irish coffee in the Uber on the way to the stadium, <laughs> uh, and then it's icy light mango from there. Sweet enough that you can tolerate it at breakfast, but it's still a delicious beer.
1: Well, you're ignoring PBR coffees, the cool PBR coffees, delicious, and maybe even throw a little vanilla vodka in there. That's the go to. Uh, maybe a little mimosa action. I love a good mimosa orange juice with my breakfast sandwich off the flat top grill. There, there's a lot of options to go there.
2: Honestly, I'm a big PBR coffee fan for the 1330 kickoff against Tennessee. I was like half tempted to snag some of those because we got to the lot like 1030. But I opted not to because it was kind of hot out. And didn't feel the mood was right. But that is my go to for the morning.
0: My issue with those is um, it kind of just tastes like you're drinking a full can of Bailey's. And I can never I can I can do one. And I'm like, wow, this is delicious. And then halfway through the second, I'm like, all right, on to beer. Yeah, that's probably. True. And there is also something to be said
1: about just cracking a beer open at like seven thirty in the morning Ooh. it just feels so right but sometimes sometimes on an empty stomach you you got to get some food in you before you can start getting them icy lights down but uh all great options i'm partial to the pbr coffees and a little mimosa action but um, i don't think you can go wrong with either of them
0: but no I am I will say real quick i'm I'm pretty excited for our first like early tailgate kickoff because as lucky as we've been to get some prime time ones, um I do love the breakfast uh, tailgate spread. firing up eggs, bacon, somebody's bringing bagels, donuts, you know, champagne. a big fan of that. i'm we mentioned it a couple podcasts ago, but i'm I'm the breakfast sandwich guy, so that's really my time to shine. and I'm. As much as I'm not looking forward to waking up at like 6 a.m. on Saturday, it'll be worth it. The spread is great, but there, it's just something so
1: special about drinking in a parking lot with your friends and being drunk at like 8.30, 9. And it's like, this is perfectly acceptable because we're going to watch a bunch of college kids play football in a little bit.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we'll have the luxury of it this weekend, just because I don't know how the, the whole sun rising time works but later in the year we will be in the gold lot before the sun rises and that just really gets the juices flowing you get goosebumps watching it rise electric drinking an icy light next to the act absolutely so we got to get to the
1: power ranking of the drinking games here now we actually have to work together on this one usually mm-hmm. we're competing but let's let's just try to get a list of a good top three and maybe some honorable mentions so I'm I think the go to in a crowded parking lot is a good game of flip cup. Really competitive. Absolutely. It's everyone going. You go best of seven. Really, really get yourself rolling early.
2: Uh, I got to give a shout out to our friends in Kalamazoo who took us under their wing in lot 88. Uh, we were back behind the Porta Johns in the grass. It was the only shaded area in the lot. So that was clutch because it was somehow 85 degrees in Michigan this weekend. So we hung out with them and we played a huge game of flip cup. We had two lines on each side because the table isn't big enough. So once you've made your cup, you're swapped out. Great for the camaraderie, get the whole lot involved. Uh, that's my number one. Yeah. Not I, I think it's a great easy choice for us. not my
0: personal favorite drinking game, but um, it's it's space efficient. Uh, you don't need a lot of materials for it. In fact, you actually make room for the rest of the tailgate because there's 20 people around one little table. Uh, just definitely the best for a packed parking spot. But what where where do we go number two? a game that's very similar
1: and for all the same reasons it's beneficial the space factor the material oh. factor stack cup or slap cup depending mm-hmm. on how you want to play it now a bunch of cups in the middle one by one bounce the ball into the cup one bounce place the cup anywhere two bounces got to shift it to your left right however you want to go but i think that very similar to Flip Cup really gets the juices flowing, and that's a game where if you got some late arrivers to the tailgate and they got to get a good buzz on before they go into the stadium, get a couple rounds of that in and uh, you're going to be stumbling around.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Stat Cup at tailgates because the one problem with Flip Cup is you need even teams. You need to play to something. It feels like there's an obligation to play like best of seven or like best of 11 somehow, and people have to get out and go, bathroom, get drink new drinks, get caught up in So It usually falls apart. Stat Stack up, you just get on the table and go fast paced. Yeah.
1: The one issue with flip cup for me is it seems like in between every round, there has to be like a five minute break when mm-hmm. in reality, that should be a game that can be played after one game ends. The next one should be able to start in about 60 seconds. And that just mm-hmm. simply never happens. No. So um, is stack Cup overtaking
0: the number one spot? We, we thought flip cup was walking to a unanimous number one i still think it is i'm just glad that we didn't go immediately to uh pong so i'm happy with Stat cup at number two if you guys are for sure lock it in yeah pong chasing too- a ping pong ball in a crowd of people is yes. the most dehumanizing thing in the entire world
1: i just i can't get behind pong at a tailgate it's it's too much oh the ball just went under the tire of the truck oh it, Bounce in the cooler that mm-hmm. I can't find it someone just stepped on it we need a new one we only have three balls left I don't think it cracks the list for me so I'm, I'm kind of struggling here as, as to how we fill it out
0: well let's throw out some suggestions um baseball hockey uh drink the beer Joe Milton
1: game oh drink the beer actually is probably number one. But for the sake of this and the fact that many people would argue that it's not really a drinking game.
2: Um, They're for, wrong. For, for those uh, wondering, you know what Drink the Beer I is. I a pretty good one for us. Oh, finish up, though. You gotta explain the game. I'm, I forgot not everyone knows how to so we'll play Drink the Beer. So Drink the Beer is you have a beer in your hand and when you finish
1: it, you win another beer. It's hard to beat, but that go ahead. That's beautiful.
2: Like, that was I was going to say... Uh, Thunderstruck's a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. that's pretty naturally in people's music playlists. So whenever it happens, you just, hey, circle up. We're doing this. Okay, so that, that's that, that's a comfortable three. Mm-hmm.
1: Thunderstruck at three. Stack or slap cup at two. Flip cup at one. We want to lock yeah. that in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Dan. Yeah. Let, it, let us know what you think is the best. Um, I feel pretty good about our list. I, I think the Associated Press would not put together nearly as complete and perfect of a list ever in the history of it. So
0: give us a vote. No, no. Yeah, they'd they'd have uh, Pong at two, despite losing to like. I (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say unranked baseball. Uh But that too. All right. And our final
1: mailbag question from Elliot Lee. Get this. Hi, guys. Big fan from the UK. Sorry about the Queen. I'm Irish. No, I'm not. (laughs) Squid said when we read this off that people aren't going to believe it and think we're making it up, but I promise. Elliot Lee from the UK wrote us. Hi, guys. Big fan from the UK. I was just wondering who do you believe has had the greatest career for Pitt since you've been watching the team? Not season, but overall career. Kenny Pickett,
2: Kenny Pickett, um, Larry Fitzgerald was pretty good. Aaron but- Aaron
1: Donald was pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Kenny Pickett,
0: yeah, Kenny, Kenny Pickett, Pickett,
1: Kenny Pickett still exists. So. Yeah, Kenny
0: Pickett,
1: Kenny Pickett. There you go, Elliot. Thanks for writing us. We're back with the Loyal Sun Sportsbook here to preview Saturday's game against the Rhode Island Rams. But before we get into that, let's get a little score update. David, I know you added up the points, and we're just going to trust you that you're telling the truth.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a matter of whether or not I'm telling the truth. It's a, it's a matter of whether or not I counted uh, numbers together correctly, which, uh, you know, pretty nefarious assumption. Um, however, having said that, Kind of cleaned up last week. Um, Dylan, you had a rough week. John, strong sh- showing. So I came in first Sweet. last week with uh, four correct um, bets, uh, bringing me to 12. John, you had three, bringing you to uh, to 10. And Dylan, you are at seven because you only got one thing correct. Um, shout out to me for hammering the being the only one hammering that over on Izzy rushing attempts at 25 and a half. And he had something in the thirties, but shout out to all of us because every single one of us correctly guessed how many points West Virginia was going to score or I'm sorry, Western Michigan, all losers. Um, Mm -hmm. But we all said that they would score 13. You both came within like three or four of the actual final score. Um, So shout out to you, but none of us had, marquise williams um first touchdown score so
1: so moving forward you can pick the defense to be the first touchdown score i don't know if anyone wants to do that but you're not not gonna make you pick the specific defensive player
0: anyway bam (laughs) brema if you pick bam brema today i'll give you 20 points if he gets it i'm just gonna start doing that only just seeing how many points you guys will give me to pick random players on the roster. All right, we're going to start. I don't know if there will be another
1: QB controversy this week. If we'll be left in the dark until the opening kick, but Keaton Slovis over or under two and a half quarters played this weekend. So I guess that takes a few things into account. One, do you think he'll start the game? Do you think he'll play? And two, do you think they'll play him past halftime? So, so when did he
2: go first this week?
1: Yeah. Uh, you want to hand it off to me? I'm going to say under. I do think Slovis will play because I really hope that they let him get out there, throw some passes again, get a little bit of timing and rhythm down with the receivers. But I pray that this game is not in any situation where he has to play any more than a half. I, I'd like to see a good old fashioned. 13 for 15, four touchdowns, 270 yards and in street close for the second half.
2: Yeah, I remember last year they played Pickett into the third quarter. And hindsight was definitely just a pad of stats for Against, the against New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I loved it. But uh with the injuries at stake, I don't know does he said Slovis is out of the woods, whatever that means. Um I think he will not play at all. So I'll take the under. We're gonna let Nate Yarnell sling it. Uh, maybe maybe some Derek Kyler action in the second half. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll go from there.
0: I've been really interested by the discourse around this question. I've seen a ton of people say that no matter what, Slovis shouldn't play. Uh, I disagree. I think I said earlier, um, this this is Pitt's only chance to play an absolute cream puff and and get right. This is a get right game. And I, I want to see you know them able to gel, um and you know kind of try things out where they they had to, they had to play to win in every single game. I, I want them to kind of figure out who they are and uh and try a couple things out. So I, I would prefer to see Keaton Slovis play. Having said that, I do think he is going to play. Um, I think Narduzzi is going to make that call because he said he is, what was it out of the woods was his terminology um and you don't just sit perfectly healthy guys just because right we saw yeah
1: narduzzi did say that today he said that they work too hard to not play they only get 12 shots at it so i know chris peak asked him have you thought about resting izzy and Narduzzi said, not really, because if I told Izzy he wasn't playing on Saturday, he'd be like, what did I do wrong? So these guys want to play, even if it's mm-hmm. in a limited capacity and they want to get him some rest and get some other guys reps. But if Slovis truly is out of the woods and good to go, I I could see the argument for sitting mm-hmm. him, but I don't think that's what will happen.
0: Um, okay. But in, in terms of answering the question, Ah, uh, sorry to cut you off, John. I just, I just wanted to get it off before we went too into the weeds or into the woods. That seems to be the analogy here nowadays. Um uh, is that half a quarter? Like, are we cutting that directly? It's seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter. No. So if he takes a snap in the third quarter, that's three quarters split. Oh, okay. Um, that actually changes the answer. I I will say yes. I will say over. We'll call it two
1: if that if that makes things easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Two like quarters. I said,
0: bad, bad at math.
1: Got it. So we think... Squid, you think it's going to be the sheriff at, at the reins this week?
2: So as you went on that little... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. You went Nick on all about press change. conference. I, I'm still saying under, but I think he might play now because Naruzzi did say he might have to tie Slovis down to keep him out again. and. It's a funny visual seeing him like handcuffed to the bench, like trying to get out, but uh, maybe it's a few drives, but I'll cap it at that.
1: Uh, Treat it like a NFL preseason game. So next one we got on the docket here. Will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown Uh, last year against New Hampshire? Damari Mathis had the pick six overwhelmed FCS teams tend to, you know, maybe just throw a ball up in the air uh, at, for the sake of avoiding a sack. This pit defense has been just scoring uh, defensively for over the last five games. So what do we think? Will there be a defensive touchdown? I guess I'm going first here. I'm going to say no. Only because I think the odds are in my favor of saying that they, the defense won't score a touchdown. I also won't be surprised if Elijah Cansey takes the poor Rhode Island quarterback's head off the first play and Cervasio
0: Dennis comes behind him, scoops it up and scores. So uh, well, I was, I was envisioning Kalijah uh, throwing the quarterback over his shoulder and carrying him 20 yards into the touchdown, 20 yards into the end zone. This, this episode is an all time record for verbal gaffes uh, <laughs> on our collective part, but we're just going to power through. He's going to carry him into the end zone. Uh, take the ball out of his shaking hands. And and yeah, that, that's what I'm envisioning. So is that a yes? Oh, I didn't want to cut in front of you, but no, that is not oh. a yes. I, I feel like we are verbal mushing a touchdown to not happen from the defense or special teams. So I'm also going to say no. As much yeah. as I, Dylan is actually mush, so I don't really want to be on his side for anything, but I'm going to say no.
2: I was also going to say no, but now I'm just going to fade Dylan and say, yeah, they will get one. I can see a... we oh, at a Brandon Hill pick six. Okay.
1: I like the call. Yeah, right. if someone wanted to make a fade Dylan betting account, they could probably just retire within by the end of football season. I'm so
0: bad. So, In the um, words of Dylan Mitchell, if I bet on the sun rising tomorrow, we'd all be living in darkness for the rest of eternity. Yep, exactly. So,
1: uh, not a bad strategy, Squid. Let's get to the next one. Over under one and a half players to score their first touchdown as a Pittsburgh Panther. So, I was going to put this at a half, but I thought you know, there's a lot of options out there. Bub Means hasn't scored a touchdown pit yet. Sibo Flemister, Keaton Slovis has thrown but has not scored a touchdown. Has not ran for one. And there's a whole bunch of other freshmen, redshirt freshmen who might be getting snaps in this one. So, I'm going to go over. I think Bob Means finally finds the end zone, and I think one other player squeaks in and gets their first career score.
2: I'm going to go over as well. Uh, not fading Dylan here. I think Sebo gets in. Uh, I think Dark Horse uh, Carter Johnson might get one. Oh, damn it. You took one playing a lot. And then there's He hasn't like, touched oh. the ball yet. Yeah, there's a plethora of receivers out there. So uh, I think we'll get two. There's going to be a lot of touchdowns scored. And I can't imagine many big name players play much into the second half. I'm I'm with you guys just on the matter
0: that like even though I think we see one series from Keaton in the second half that leads to a meltdown on Twitter and on the Lair from Pit fans. Get them at why the hell is he Fire Narduzzi, fire Signetti. I think we are going to see the absolute depths of this pit locker room uh, quickly in this game, and I think that. Carter Johnson's going to get his first touch and he is going to get his first
2: touchdown on with Squid Nate Yarnell uh 20-yard touchdown run anybody. Sure. Uh, I will say
1: Yarnell ran a read option in that Western Michigan game and he didn't look the most graceful on his feet. So, uh, I I'd lean probably a 1-yard QB sneak cuz he's 6-6 and he would just have to fall forward even if they were on like the 3. <sighs> but uh also picks the ball and what, reaches. What, Dave? What do you think of a, this is not a prop probably could have been, but does Shane Shane Woboku? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I probably butchered that. Does he get a jet sweep this
0: game? Oh, I really want that. And in, in fact, the prospect of that is going to keep me at that game far longer than it should. Cause we were, we were seated at the bar of Peter's slash Mario's, but really Peter's, um, like with 10 minutes left in the third quarter when they played New Hampshire last year. But the prospect of like seeing Addison Copeland or uh Chain Wabuko uh, get a carry will keep me there.
2: Yeah, I remember we were in the car on the way to the bar and I pulled out my phone. I was like, Oh, Pitt scored again. Oh my god, I was pick it to Addison. What? <laughs> Can't so, remember, like, why, why, are, why are they, why they still are... in there?
1: Yeah, so. I don't know. That might be, those prospects may be good for Slovis over two and a half quarters, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, this one's out of hand by halftime, and we can leave to go to Peters if we'd like to. But uh, Next one here, we're going to go total yards for the Pitt offense, 499 and a half. Will they get the 500? Disclaimer, they had 707 yards of total offense last year against New Hampshire. Now, this year's team doesn't have Kenny Pickett, doesn't have Jordan Addison, may have a skeleton crew uh, of players available due to all the injuries, but I don't know. I, I do feel like they're going to try to get some things going, and I think I think 500 is attainable, and I, I hope I'm not completely overlooking this Rhode Island team. They were ranked pretty highly, top 15, before they lost Delaware this past week in, in the football championship subdivision. All that being said, I think they get to 500. I think the pit offense has some things to prove, some things they want to work on. And I do think the fact that they are playing an opponent where you'll see some of those twos, the twos come in and play in the second half. uh, They're going to let those guys play a little bit. They're not going to sit on the Mm -hmm. rock and and just watch the clock. They're going to let those guys get some real game reps in. So over.
0: I am also over for all the exact same reasons. I have nothing to add.
2: I mean, they held Delaware to 250 yards last week. Might be a pretty stout defense. You saying Pitt isn't twice
1: as good as Delaware?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm saying over. I think they'll... (laughs) I was tempted to take the under just because I thought they'll just run the ball legitimately every possession in the second half, but even if they do that, I bet they get 500, so... I think they do try to get some momentum going to ACC play and get over that four nine and a half line that you made there, Dylan.
1: Got it. All right, moving on. Our favorite. We do this one every week. First touchdown score. Has anyone hit on a first touchdown score yet? I don't think we have. I got Izzy we, uh, uh, against yeah, Tennessee. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. Well, didn't didn't hit on Derek Kyler though. That would have been a big one. So. I'm gonna go first. There, there's some safe options. I feel like Izzy's probably a safe bet. Maybe he won't play as much, but this just feels like a a Vincent Davis to me. I think Vincent Davis is gonna get a higher workload this week, and maybe maybe not even playing that whole drive. But they're gonna be down around the six yard line. He's gonna take it, take the ball, scamper in, get the get the first touchdown of the year for
0: him. Uh, I love. I love just the idea that. This the sentence, this feels like a Vinnie Davis one. <laughs> like like there's something in the air, a strange funk that you can smell <laughs> wafting towards you that says this is a Vinnie Davis game.
2: Buckle up. I'm gonna Quit. go back to the well. I picked this guy. I think it was against Tennessee. I'm going back to the Dan Carter well. He played a lot. Um Last, not last night, Saturday. days getting mixed up. Uh, You play a lot on Saturday. There's a lot of fullback formations. I think he's getting a fullback dive from the one. Punch it in. Has two touchdowns on the season. So, yeah.
0: Odds are in your favor. Yeah, not a terrible call. Um, In the theme of the get right game, I'm going to go Bub Means. No Jared Wayne. um, We're assuming. Uh, just because I think it'd be kind of stupid if he did play. Um, I I could see if Slovis starts just going over the top immediately, make him feel a little bit better. He's made some critical mental errors this year. We don't, we, we've been over it. We don't need to go back over it. Give the kids some red meat. Um, long ball beats the athletically inferior corner or safety they throw on him. And uh, and scores like a seventy or eighty yarder. I think it would be
1: great to see. But I mean, it's not only score, but get get him five, six catches this game. Let him yeah. get out in space. Let him make some plays. Get those reps in. Get some confidence back because I do think that despite the the mistakes, there does still feel like there is just a raw athlete there that can yeah. really help open up this offense if if he's confident and if he performs. So. Yeah, I think that would be huge if, even if it's not the first touchdown score, I'd love to see means really get involved and, mm-hmm. and get, get some mojo. Same with the other receivers, I'd love to see Jaden Bradley, Jalen Barden, even Kanade Mumfield. I mean, Mumfield, for the big play he had last week, the very limited uh, passing game that was that there was, he still hasn't broken 100 yards, uh, only uh, you know, less than 40 yards the last couple of games. I know love... receiver has, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Maybe Mumpfield just goes off and this is the game where, okay, he gets in a rhythm. Same thing with all those receivers. So, uh, as you said earlier, dude, get get Jared Wayne some rest and see who else is ready to step up in that mm-hmm. receiver room. All right. And now the spread. There wasn't a spread on, on any of the sports books we could find. Uh, I was at Pavada, DraftKings, FanDuel. No one really willing to throw a line out there. Squid, you were able to find something for us?
2: Yeah, Bill Conley for ESPN, he does his SP-plus projections every week. They're usually pretty good, pretty in line with whatever the sportsbooks put out, sometimes within a couple. Uh, He projected Pitt to win this game by 28.8 points, according to his model. So we're going to go with 28.5 as the line for this game.
1: Yeah, so a four-touchdown spread. I I hope it's not that close. I, I do think Pitt covers here. And I'll just give my score prediction while we're at it. I think Pitt. This is this feels like a fifty fifty two to ten seven touchdowns a field goal. Rhode Island figures out a way to score. Let me double back on that. Fifty two to seven. I'm not giving them the the field goal in Heinz Field. Fifty two to seven. Pitt Panthers. They cover the twenty eight and a half. I, I feel like if that line was out there, it would be a little a little bigger than what the S and P says. But we can't argue with the computers.
2: I was pretty close to you, Dylan. I said forty eight to seven. Could be a lot more if we really put the pedal to the metal, but I don't think we will this week. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm in the ballpark with you guys. Um taking taking pit with the points. I think we would need to have an atrocious game offensively for this game, this to be within 30 for this to be within 40 uh because i i don't think the defense that we've seen the last six quarters is allowing an fcs team to do uh jack shit so i am going to go uh 52 to 3 so we're all predicting blows have we let
1: the new hampshire game last year just completely wipe our memory of all the all the disappointing pick games over the year against FC, FCS teams. Does Youngstown state ring a bell to anyone? Shut up. No, no. comment. Okay. Yeah. We won't go down that hole uh, right now. So we've got our predictions and I did want one more thing for our preview. Uh, not a prop or any, a prediction, anything like that. I just want one thing that you guys would like to see from this pit team this week. Squid kick us off.
2: Oh, you couldn't have teed it up any more perfectly. Oh, another pun. Kick it off, tee it up, special teams. I want zero missed field goals. I want zero muff punts. I want no block punts. Clean special teams game.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, did you did you say no missed field goals? Because yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's the big one for me. I'd I'd like that. Maybe. Saus missed another
2: didn't he? From like 27 yards. I even looked back at what it Christ. was but it was alarmingly close. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I like that a
0: lot squid. Um basic but I I want to see the offensive line build on the momentum from the second half uh last week more specifically I I want this to be a bullying. I want I, I want them to turn those boys on the on the front line of Rhode Island into dust. Nice. <laughs> Just
1: crush them. Just kill them all.
0: Crush <laughs> their bones into destroy your enemies. We want them maimed. Yes. Okay, that's pretty nice.
1: I I'm gonna keep it really simple, very coach speak here. Let's get out of this with no major injuries. We have a bunch of guys who will probably be resting. They're nicked up. They ha- have a rolled ankle, tweaked shoulder, all these little things. Let's get out of this game without any major injuries, any guys uh, missing, you know, extended time after this. And let's get into ACC play healthy and ready to roll and ready to capture another coastal title. Also, probably wasn't. Uh, the best idea for the most mush person on, on this pod to watch uh, for no injuries, but we're already there. I'm knocking on wood, but uh, I won't be the only one to say it this week. So don't point the finger at me.
0: Yeah. All right. Please stay healthy. Please stay healthy. Like, please win, but please stay healthy.
1: Please stay healthy and win by like 60 points
0: and let us all get
1: out of, out of there without, uh, raising our heart rate a bit. Also, please subscribe
0: and follow us and on rate all things. and rate five stars, like whatever you do. Even if you don't think this is a five star operation, throw throw us
2: a fiver for Hakeem Williams. If you rate five stars, Hakeem Williams will come here. I science. heard science. Yes, he told me that. <laughs> it's like an
1: Uber ride. Like even if it's not a five star Uber, what are you going to do? Give him three stars?
2: Like it's all worth right. the trouble yeah. so much easier please do that please stay healthy please just wait. where it began
1: i can't begin to know hey everyone thank you for tuning in to the loyal sun show If you enjoyed the show please leave us a rating subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts follow us on twitter at the loyal sons subscribe to pittsburgh sports live on youtube that's our partner pittsburgh sports now's youtube channel you don't want to miss any of the video content we've got coming out if you subscribe that way you'll never miss it make sure to tune in to future episodes as we work through this camp season We'll be talking to players, former players, people associated with the program, and a whole bunch of people who love Pitt as we count down the days to the Backyard Brawl on September 1st. As always, hail Loyal Sons of
3: Pittsburgh.